Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Uncle Lou joined us for this episode and we just chit-chatted for uh, quite a while and got into some really good stuff um, kind of at the end of the uh, the episode. So make sure you hang on and make it through the whole whole, whole episode. The Q&As were, were pretty good. Um, before we get started with this show, got to thank a couple of my partners in the, the podcast and the first one being... And since Lou was on, it's going to be Stealth Outdoors. Go over to StealthOutdoors.com and get you some stealth strips. It's the best silencing material in the hunting industry. And if you're not using it and you're a deer hunter, you're missing out big time. Also, I got to talk about what the guys at Exodus have going on. Got a new camera coming out on the 16th of February. Their render is obviously a, a, a really good camera and all that. But it is expensive, you know. It's a it's a higher end camera. They finally got a budget cell camera for everybody. Um, it's going to be called the Rival, and the MSRP on it is going to be one hundred seventy nine dollars. Um, but at launch here, you can save thirty dollars at checkout uh, if you use code Launch, and it'll be live on their website February fourteenth at, at midnight. So there's some really cool things uh, about this camera: 0.3 second trigger speed, seventy feet detection distance. Uh, with adjustable sensitivities, 30-second photo transmission, super quick, adjustable image quality and uploaded photos, has really good HD imaging, it's compatible with the solar panel, SP18, and also $179, and you're getting the five-year warranty still. That's crazy. So it's a good option for you guys that are in the market for a camera. It's going to rival some of the other brands uh, that are a little more uh, affordable. Um, They've taken all the feedback they've gotten over the years and kind of built it into this camera at a uh, budget-friendly price. So if that's something you guys are interested to, make sure you l- use that code LAUNCH to save 30%, excuse me, $30 off of each camera while supplies last on February 14th at midnight. Go over to ExodusOutdoorGear.com um, to get all that information to order you some rival cameras. All right, let's get into the episode. <laughs> Evening, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Hey, everybody. Hello. We got a uh, special co-host today, and that's uh, Uncle Lou from Stealth Outdoors. Lou, how did he get in here? I don't know. There he is. <laughs> it wasn't easy. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> don't we have security at the door? That's funny. We uh we spent about half an hour getting Lou on. Actually, we we got we got you on right away, but we were trying to get you on with better audio. Um, Lou, uh, we've had Lou on like for spir- spurts of time in the past, and everybody just loves it. So we figured we'd just get him on a, a full episode and just chit chat about life and deer hunting and everything else. Um, before before we start though, if you guys if you got any questions for us, just ask them in the comments. And we'll try to get to them at the end of the the show. And then um, I will put a link in the comments also if you want to call in and ask a question. So uh, just make sure you keep it clean when you're on here. Anyway, what's been going on, Lou? I, I got a new pair of shoes on Saturday. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I went into the archery shop with my friend Ronald. And they have a shoe and boot store in there. And that's where I got my 
Kenetrucks a couple of years ago when I before I came out to Wisconsin. Yeah. What, what was that one, Dan? Oh, that was Fort McCoy. Yeah, it was last year or two years ago. I haven't ago. bought a new pair of shoes in a while, so I got a new pair of shoes. When did you went into the book? <laughs> what, what was that? Did you stealth strip them yet? Not yet. They're brand new. They're probably squeaking when you walk on hardwood floors. I haven't even picked up dog poop in these yet. Oh, I did that today. I stepped in a big pile of dog poop, taking trash out. Do that before uh, <laughs> before you uh, stealth strip in case it holds scent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Are we going to get into that already? <laughs> oh. Just spray them. <laughs> Anyway, how was uh how was your deer season, Lou? I didn't really talk to you about actually deer hunting. We we talk about like business stuff a lot, but not deer season. I I'm so lame. I I shot that deer across the lake this year, and we had to get the dogs to find it or the dog, and that was a lot of fun. But that was in end of October. I really didn't hunt that much, and then gun season went up to rifle camp. Had a blast as always, but I had a bunch of does in front of me, but. I don't know. One of these days, I'd like to shoot a decent buck. Yeah. Did uh, where'd you hit that deer at the, the one you had to get the dog on? It it was funny because I could have swore I hit it in the liver. Yeah. And uh, I sent a picture. I I, I texted my friend Matt Gadu, and he knew some dog trackers. I, I don't remember the name, and I'm now on their list. I think it's Michigan Dog Trackers, and he put me in contact with the lady right away. And the husband ended up coming out with the dog, but the, the wife, she told me, she said, you hit high guts. Hmm. And I'm like, and I think she was right. Cause when we found it, it was high guts and it, it took all day for it to expire, but we did find it. Hmm. No, those dogs are amazing. I, uh, I used one for the first time this year too in Wisconsin. So yeah, I saw that. Yep. Um, anyway, that's it though. Then you didn't hunt much after that. Rifle season. Then I went out on November 30th. I just went and hit some new areas. It, it's, I feel horrible. That's why I'm like, when you asked me last week, you want to jump on the show? I'm like, I don't deer hunt anymore. What, no, what do you want to okay. talk about? <laughs> I, I said, you, we don't have ice for spearing yet. I sat out one day in about three inches of ice right in the backyard. And then, uh, and then a couple of the neighbors contacted me. They said, we, these beavers are going to cut down this tree and block the canal. So I got with Matt, who also traps beavers. He's a bear guide. I mean, he's yeah. a jack of all trades outdoors. And he came out here. We sat five traps. And uh, we did that on a Saturday afternoon. That was probably about three weeks ago. And I woke up the next morning not expecting much, you know, kind of like my deer hunting. It's always been kind of subpar. And there was three beavers in five traps. Oh, first dang. morning. I'm so, kind of disappointed in you, too. Say that again? I'm kind of disappointed in you. Because you, you, uh, you were going to eat them. And I think you did. And I told you I wanted film. I wanted to put a video out with that in it. Did you eat it, Lou? I, I took I a picture of the pot after I cooked it. But I'm like, what the hell are you going to do? Watch some guy cook a, cook a beaver. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah, there, there's probably... Uh... I think there's a media episode about that. I could be in the background making fun of you. <laughs> well, now, 
if you would have came in to film it, that might have been funny. But here I am in the kitchen drinking beer, cooking a beaver. I mean, what the hell kind of footage is that? I'll tell you what, though. It, it was delicious. And if everybody had tried beaver, they'd be an endangered species. Oh, really? Yeah, I've eaten beaver. It's very good. It's just like roast beef. I've never had yeah. it before. It's Real mild. Right. I, good. I had a muskrat get tangled up in a trap in the backyard last year. And I thought, well, I better eat that. So I did. And I thought it was very rich. And it tasted like there was sand in the meat. You know, like it was it was weird. I kept like, getting little crunchies. Like gritty. Did you drop it on the floor while you're cooking it? I've had that happen. <laughs> I, I could have. I could have went to the bathroom and someone else dropped it on the floor. But I was expecting it to taste like that because, they're, they're you know, they're in the same environment. But uh, that beaver was delicious. Yeah, I've heard that too, but just never had one. I've never trapped a beaver or anything. Um, we got them a whole bunch of them on a creek out there in the um, out by the Huger National. There's, I mean, there's beavers everywhere on that creek. But uh, I don't know. I've threatened to get into trapping them, but I just another hobby I have to do that take up time. You know. Um, yeah. I What'd you do? Today. Do what? I almost caught a raccoon today. Oh, did you? Yeah, I I got out of the truck, started chasing it. It was it was sick. You could tell it had like a distemper or something or something wrong with it. It was foaming at the mouth and it was walking in circles. But when I got out, it sure ran fast. I actually chased it up through some yards and stuff. When I got right up by somebody's front window, I thought, eh, I probably should turn around. <laughs> and I went back to the truck and left. <laughs> <laughs> Almost got him. Huh. Getting slow in my old age. I had to dispatch a coon just before the beaver trapping started. There was a sick one in the yard, and the neighbor called me over. I get all these calls when the wildlife's overtaking the neighborhood. Yeah, the, the ones that got distempered, the sick raccoons, they need to not only be dispatched, they need to be uh, um, burned because uh, they spread that distemper like you wouldn't believe, even dead. That huh. stuff is volatile through the population. What, what about burying it if you can't burn them? Yeah, if you can bury it deep enough that nothing digs it up. Okay. Hmm. Did you do anything? I better bury it. It's still laying there. Lou's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll be right back. <laughs> oh man. Did you do anything with the uh with the hide or anything, Lou? Oh yeah. So Matt's a full blown trapper. So we skinned them out on that Sunday when we got them, skinned all three of them. I wish I could send you pics. I should have sent you some pics because I don't know how to put them on the screen. Video. <laughs> we we do have – I took a little bit of video. I don't know how to get the video off my phone. One of these days, you guys got to teach me how to do that. I've got a Google Drive account. I've got stuff on my phone. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, that's funny. I want to – I want to uh, – I'd like to like catch some beavers and make like pillows out of them or something for the living room. I think that would be cool. Uh, I don't know how much that'd cost, but I think it's pretty expensive anymore to do kind of this kind of stuff. Matt but skinned all five. Yeah. Oh, I could skin it and everything, but I'm not, I guess I could learn how to tan the hide, but I'd rather, if I'm going to get something for my living room, I'd like it to look nice, you know, have. You want to look nice, get a live one to make good pets. <laughs> you got to have all steel furniture. I can't believe like. Uh, my uncle's a taxidermist and he's like mounted quite a few of them. Every time I see him, you know, people don't bring a small one in to mount, but some of them are just gigantic animals. I mean, beavers can get big. It's yeah, kind of crazy. Cur uh, 
that Kurt, where we have the uh, workshops, yeah, his his kid got one, and uh, Kurt tells me, "Hey, come outside. You got to see what I got in my trunk." He takes me around back, and he opens it up for a second, or he had it wrapped up. I thought he had some dead person in there or something. I was getting a little worried. Yeah, I mean, it was huge. It was like ninety pounds. It was oh man, unbelievable how big it was. Yeah, it had a skull, like a human skull on it. Yeah, that's what my my uncle had one over at his house, and it, I mean, it was. I had to be like four foot long, you know, not include the mm-hmm. tail. It just, and you know, big as round as a five gallon. How big they'll get if they get up to old age. Yeah. Yeah. We, we weighed all five of these. The first three was 30, 20 and 17. And Matt kept, kept saying, these are the little ones. These are the, mm-hmm. the 17. He said was young of the year. And the other ones were, he said, two years old. And then the next day I got a 42 pounder. And then the, I think we skipped a day, and then on the following day, we got another 30-pounder. So that was the weight of all five. And it was funny, the picture I took on the driveway, that when they were all skinned out, you could see the size difference. It was pretty cool. I wonder if I can text you that pic while we're talking without dropping it. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> Probably me not, right? <laughs> I see you, like, putting – you put stuff up on the screen when you're talking and screenshots. Yeah, I, I don't can know do how you do all that. that. If, I, if I have it, I can um but anyway no that's cool didn't you go up i thought you went up to some like deer hunting camp or something lou because I, yep. I i called you i said i called you during the season sometime and you were like driving back from deer camp no november 15th every year we hunt up at my buddy dan's dan burns up up south of alpena yeah. in the huron and he's got a piece there and then we're into about five six thousand acres of the huron national forest and i just go walk around that and um my nephew from Minnesota drove over and he hunted with us and he went to dental school with the guy in Michigan and they had 500 acres of private land, like two, three, four miles away. And we spent a day out there, real cool piece of property. Um, mm-hmm. But all I ever got, and I tell you, I, I probably had about five, six different does, but not a single buck within probably 10, 15 yards of me that I could have shot, but yeah, I didn't. Did anybody else in your group get anything? Yeah, there was a couple bucks that, that we had hanging. Um, Kingby got one. Patrick didn't make it up. Patrick the killer, Dan's son. Uh, Randy shot a buck. You remember, Dan remembers Randy. You met him in, in Holly. He shot a, a little five-point, you know, typical scrubby Michigan one. But every year we usually hang three, four deer up there. This year we had two when we left. Hmm. Josh, I sent you some beaver pictures. Those are from Lou. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got them. The the oh, tree, Dan, was one of those, the side, that, that big cottonwood that it was gnawing on? Oh, I don't know. I sent, I sent them all the ones you sent me. There's three dead ones laying on a uh, log, and there's uh, one in a trap, another one in a trap, another one in a trap. That's what I have. Okay. I wish I could have. That, that, that tree, that cottonwood, I couldn't get my arms around it. Not even close. That's how big it was. That's when the neighbors started calling me and saying, "Hey, we got a problem out here." And I'm—I don't know how to trap, but I know who to call. They already killed the tree, so it's going to fall anyways eventually, right? It—it it, it is, but it—I mean, when you no. got a problem, you got to do something. Yeah. Yep, I got him here. Um, there we go. There they are. Is that the I big ones? 
That's probably uh, the, the middle one is the 30 pounder. The big one was a couple days later. Okay. There you go. Hmm. You came up to, um, you hunted with us at, in Michigan this year too, Lou. I was there for a couple days. Correct. Did we you, uh, he. yeah, he should have went to that. To the UP. Yeah. Cause that, that's like his, oh, his, uh, guys. his place. I was, I was expecting him to come and then he was like, I got stuff to do. I'm busy. <laughs> well, I had to go see my mom. <laughs> brought her along. She probably out hunted all of us. Which, which brings me to something. So I, I grew up down in Wood River, Illinois, which is outside St. Louis. And I don't know why I always think of this, Josh, but I'm always wondering, am I from further south than where you're at down there in Brownstown? So I, I looked it up before we got on the air today. Can you see that? Nope. Oh, yeah. Move it back a little bit. Anyways, is that some coordinates or something? Yeah, that's latitude. I can't see it. We're a, are we? I, I'm a hundredth of a decimal point further south of you where I grew up. No. Oh. I don't know why I think that's important. Me either. <laughs> I, I just look at your, your redneck being, and I wonder if you're further south than me or I'm further south than you, but I've no, been up in Michigan for 32 years, so I guess it doesn't matter. Right. Anything that you uh, had in you is worn off now. I forget that you're not actually from Michigan sometimes, Lou. I've been here a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, uh, what made you move up to Michigan? I'm, 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 I don't know how loud I can say this. I moved here for a woman, but I stayed here for the weather. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I met my wife in college and I moved up here as soon as I graduated. Oh, I got you. And she's from that area. Where'd you go to college at? Uh, I went to Il Eastern Illinois and oh, okay. she went to Wayne state in Detroit. And we met out in South Dakota in 1989. We were geologists. We had to go to field camp. So their program joined our program, and I ended up up here. Hmm. There you go. Simple math. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you always lived around Holly, or have you guys moved around? We've been in the same house. Uh, last May was 30 years. Oh, Wow. I moved up here in 1990. We got married and bought the house in 92 and we've been here ever since. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's a kind of a cool story. Like you, you want to talk about, like you just mentioned you were a geologist, like what, how did, how in the world did you get from that until to stealth strips or stealth outdoors? Well, don't all little boys dream about starting a stealth strips factory. I mean, at like, like in like kindergarten. Oh Yeah. I think I wrote that in my first grade uh, book or something. That you wanted to do stealth strips, and then you finally yeah. found the found me, and I was doing right. it. So now you got to do this. Yeah. yeah. Next best no, thing, I know the guy. Well, I was practicing in the environmental field until about until I was about thirty, and I hated it. It just wasn't my thing, and I quit and became a contractor. And I just kept looking for things to do. And around two thousand and eight, I started with that bark silencer. And uh, got to know Dan, and Dan called me up one one night after he blew a hunt, and he said he wanted some cable silencers. You heard all that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and that just, the cable silencers, everybody started asking me, can you make this size? Can you make that size? And that's how the stealth strips got going. You, I was just kind of kidding that all little boys dream about stealth strips factories since kindergarten. Right, right. No, I was more asking for the audience. 
I mean, I, I know, I know your story a little bit, but, um, it's interesting. So you just essentially, I mean, you, it reminds me of what I just did a lot of, I mean, I worked until I was 30 and can't say I really enjoyed anything I did from 22 to 30 and finally made a change and still consult in that industry though. Do you do some consulting still or do you? I, I, I still, I wouldn't call it consulting. I still do some liners to the, to or some sales to the liner business that I, I still have, but I basically in about 2018, I didn't enjoy that either. That was just hard work. I worked like a 30 year old for 30 years. And when I saw this growing, I, I grabbed it and I, I ran with it. So this is way easier work than pulling trailers and humping 55 gallon drums and hoses. Yeah. And yeah. I thought it would be fun, but I don't get to hunt that much anymore. I hunted more when I was your age when I was a contractor. Yeah. Why do you think that is? You think it's just because your guys is late or not late. Your guys is a uh, busy time is October, isn't it? Yeah. August, September, October. It's just, you know, it's, it's all out just to keep up. And then we slow down in November and I hunt a little bit. And I shouldn't say I don't hunt, but when I'm around you guys, I mean, what I do and what I accomplish, I better just say I don't hunt. <laughs> <laughs> no. Dan, do you guys, are you guys that busy in the deer and deer season too, like that? Or is it mostly before season starts? What do you mean with at those stands? At, yeah, at beast gear. It's just been nonstop. Yeah. I think um, we have peaks and valleys. Um, I think it uh, slows down during the uh, summer a little bit, the sales. Um, but we have a hard time keeping up with stands, period. Sticks, though. I mean, I think it'll um, we'll catch up a little bit during the summer and then um, get a little ahead. But uh, as soon as, like, uh, July or August come, it starts really taking off again. Yeah. Yeah, I figured, I don't know, it seems like, well, I shouldn't give people that much credit. I would think people would start buying their stuff before season got here and it'd slow down once season because everybody should be hunting instead of, Worrying about their tree stands and tree and sticks, but yeah, like anything else, everybody wants to wait to the last minute and uh, yeah. get a hold around September when hunting's starting or October, and and uh, then be mad because they can't get it. I mean, um, you got the whole summer. If you want one bad enough, you'll get one. Yeah, right, right. And, and Josh, I, I guess over on the sales cycle, what I always because October has been our peak religiously for the last ten years. And I think people have their equipment. They get that before season. Obviously, you need a stand and sticks. I think they're, they're, they, they might hear a stealth strips somewhere, and they're not. it's not really on the radar. But then when they start packing that in and hunting, and it's banging and clanging, I bet yeah. you we get more orders from people on from their tree stand. Like, I've had it. I'm doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could also see people, like, buying a stand, you know, now until, you know, June, and then, like, procrastinating until right before season and they're like oh crap i need to get this thing ready and then they buy your their stealth strips right before deer season oh um, in october it's crazy because people will call or email and how fast can you ship it and i tell them well we geez. ship next day at the latest many orders go out the same day and they'll say well can you ship it here like they're going on a hunting trip and they'll, i'll ship it to hotels and i'll ship it to their buddy's house and they're wrapping them there can you get it here before thursday because i leave on friday and we get a lot of that during october Hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you like working in the hunting industry, Lou? It, it is a lot of fun. You know, I, I just, there was something on, on the hunting beast forum, you know, and I really feel fortunate to do what I do. Um, but 
you know, walk into your local bow shop in October and ask the guys behind the counter how hunting's going, right? Yeah. They're going to kind of look at you and go, yeah, right, because they're busy right. putting bowstrings on. Right. Yeah. But it's fun. To... Show season's coming up. I mean, that's fun, meeting the people. I guess I'm a part of it in a different way, and, heck, I never would have been able to make a living with my hunting ability to begin with, so I guess I'm right where I need to so be. So you're going to go to Michigan, Dan, you think? Yeah. What shows yeah. are you going to this year? Probably. Well, we're going to do Wisconsin for sure. Uh, Michigan open season, March 24 Wisconsin. to 26th. I think yeah. Dan's doing a seminar um, there. Yep. So it was Josh. It's really hard to get the first season. Oh, Michigan, they have I didn't know that. Segregated seasons. Like okay. So I'm going to be there uh, with a booth. I might try yeah, and do the Illinois Deer Classic. It's the following weekend. Yeah. Um, we'll and I'm, I'm planning the, on driving part, out. Is, I'm not going to exhibit, but I, I've got a dealer at, out at the, uh, um, what do they call it now? The NRA show out in Harrisburg? Okay. Area. I don't know. Is there any, is there any bears? Uh, up it, we, it's we, the biggest show. It's like 10 days. Kevin? It's out in Harrisburg, yeah. Pennsylvania. Oh, NRA yeah, is like right. a great, a... great American. Okay. I don't know what the yeah, population is. Like American sports show or something like that. Out there something in like Scotland, we're seeing like Pennsylvania. a, yeah. A yeah. It's like 10 days sign, long. But, um, that's crazy, I guess. And, and it, uh, it finishes on Super Bowl weekend. Because that's just kind of, that'd be real different. We've always had a little get together for Super yeah. Bowl, you know, a couple neighbors yeah. stop yeah, over. Yeah. And, I don't know. I mean, know. every state is 10 weird. days is Extremely brutal. I can't talk for three days. Yeah. The yeah. Laws and the way they do seasons and stuff. It, it can be um, <laughs> really different. Um, You're not going to come to Ohio? Things were like the, I would, uh, I would like to drive down there for the uh, weekend, but I won't exhibit. I'm going to try and get down there for a day. Yeah. I don't know if it's like a least yeah. well, that's area the, or something. Is that the weekend I don't know before, a lot about it, so I shouldn't probably be talking about it. That's the weekend before it, but, Wisconsin and Dan? Uh, um, I believe they would the like lease a section. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, the, the weekend after is that Illinois show, which isn't um, part know, of open season. It's, it's the same um, huh. show operators as the Iowa Deer Classic. Like but are you, and I've been I out guess, there for a few years. I think Dan joined us out there in 2019. I didn't go 2020, and then I went out. 21 and 22 me, just to, just know. to visit a oh, okay. um, with some people that I didn't exhibit. Positive. But uh, Illinois is a little closer, and I'm from Illinois, and I'm we not, do I'm a lot of business in Illinois, so I'd Maybe like to go, go out there. Build points there, too. i got to find yeah. out. Um, yeah, I'm not sure Did either. you uh, – are you going to um, go bear hunting this what? year? I don't know. Many states there are over the Dan, are you going to go bear hunting in Michigan? Matt's got it all ready. we got to get Dan the I think you might have some western states that are over the counter. Yeah, I think Virginia's over the counter, but I think the hunting's really hard. I think I'll do it in Pennsylvania. I bought a bear tag when I bull hunted there because – I have like eight points now. I So I guaranteed them. I thought it would be stupid not to have one in my pocket. You aren't guaranteed, but I think for second or third season up in Barriga, with all the points you have, Dan, I think – I think you'll get it. You can yeah. just buy it, but you can't bait. You can't do this. You can't do that. You have, you know, you know most of the guys kill them doing drives. Um, in some places, it's illegal to do drives. I mean, it's every state has drastically yeah. different. Yeah. Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't or know why I said. I, I have just an incredibly hard time um, do it yourself killing bears because uh, bait amounts and stuff and where I live. Yeah. Right. Um, but I can go to Minnesota and drive eight hours one way and just, just hammer them. I, I, I kill one every time I go. Yeah. Um, I, I have a blast, but, uh, Wisconsin, I struggle, even though there's more bears here because of, uh, the baiting restrictions and the, the, the rules. Yeah. They, they're more set up for outfitters than they are for hunters in Wisconsin. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know why I said that, uh, 
I don't, I didn't know any states that were over the counter. I mean, I, I, Colorado, I know they have a bear problem now. It seems like because I think the laws got got pretty uh, restrictive on bears out there. I think they dropped their non-resident bear tag down to like ninety bucks or something like that. So if people would start hunting them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they they're like seems like they're like desperately trying to get people to hunt them, but then they take away like spring bear hunting and they take away baiting and they take away dogs. And it's like, if you're going to kill them, you're going to kill them. You know, it's like, if you want us to kill them, why don't you allow spring bear hunting or, uh, that's something I'd like to do sometime is go spring bear hunting. Um, I don't know. I know like New Jersey, I've heard, I've read articles that their bear populations have blown up too. uh, Lou, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you better. Okay. I, I, I didn't have my Wi-Fi on and it blanked out, so now I can hear oh. you better. Yeah, you look super clear now, too. Uh, definitely, you're good now. Where all have you hunted bear, Lou? Just I've Michigan? only hunted just Michigan. I hunted bear in 07. I had, I think, seven points. I hunted Red Oak, which is uh, northern lower uh, peninsula, you know, so northern lower Michigan, not the UP. And then seven years later in 2014, I got a tag for uh, Gwen. And like Dan was alluding to earlier when he's talking about the UP, I got a little piece of property on the Garden Peninsula, which is in Newberry. So Gwen is just, uh, it actually comes down into the Stonington Peninsula. And I had some friends there and they helped me with the baiting and I shot another little bear there. And I haven't been since 14. So I have like eight points now and I'd hate to waste them on Barriga, but the guy, Matt, um, who thinks Dan can get his tag if he's willing to go second or third season because up there they have three separate seasons. Um, Amasaw um, takes more points and I would be, you know, across the road or something. And I would, I would like to do that just because I could get a second or third season tag in Barriga probably every year as a resident. Hmm. First like- season obviously is the, uh, the hardest. That's where you burn your points. But if you get two, three points, you can get Barriga as a resident. If I, if I remember correctly. Is first season easier just because they haven't been pressured all year and all that stuff? I, I think that's the the general principle that, yeah, first season is, you know, the easier. Be, and, and then they start running dogs. I don't know how they do it in the UP, but down here in Red Oak, there's a different season structure for the, for the lower peninsula seasons. And in Red Oak, I think you only get the first day or two, and then they start running dogs. And then that's going to put more pressure and make it a little more difficult. Yeah. And I, I'd like, like to do that. Go ahead running dogs i just think it would be cool i i went out to idaho and ran with a guy on uh on mountain lions we didn't get one but it was cool three-day hunt um just to watch the dogs work and and the, the whole experience you know dogs are just cool yeah i would go on a bear hunt uh, with dogs i think that'd be fun those guys on uh the untamed uh, youtube channel they always are that's like one of their big things i think that's how they got real popular was with some really crazy bear hunting videos with dogs um dan you've went with dogs haven't you once yeah mm-hmm. you got one didn't you yep my first bear was with dogs was it in wisconsin mm-hmm. up in taylor county way up in northern wisconsin how action-packed how long, it go ahead how Blue. long ago was that dan oh i'm sorry go. oh geez uh 80s or early 90s you shoot it with a gun or a bow or what do they do up there? 30 out six, it's the only one I ever shot with a gun. Oh, really? 
<laughs> that seems kind of crazy to blast the thirty out six up into a tree. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was kind of a, a strange hunt. I mean, uh, the guy I hunted with, um, um, he was kind of a crazy man. Um, a little bit wild. He's a lumberjack who um, was kind of untamed himself. He, uh, uh, we had some uh, uh, anti-hunters that were on a neighboring property that um, stole his dog off the road and uh, chained it in their yard. And he had a radio tracker, so we were able to find it. And he kind of knew who would have taken it in the first place because the guy's been harassing him. And we went by the guy's house and the dog's tied up in his yard and we drive up the guy's driveway and he gets out of the truck and goes over and starts untying the, the dog and the guy comes running out of the house with a pitchfork that was on his porch and comes after him and uh, the lumberjack guy uh, guide uh, turned around and um, punched him really hard in the face and knocked him out cold. And uh, oh, he was like, I don't know if he was dead or what. He just stepped over the top of his body and uh, untied the dog, put it in the truck and we just drove away. We got about... <laughs> Two miles and we got surrounded by a SWAT team. <laughs> oh my god! Nah, uh, yeah, it was crazy. We were chasing one bear and uh, a giant bear, and it went onto some land. And uh, he assured me we had permission. And then the landowner came on and said we didn't. And uh, um, then uh, that guy kicked us off the property, and he dog hunted too and put his dogs on it and, and shot the bear. And it ended up dying on the land border of that same guy <laughs> that stole the dog. And uh, they called the police and the wardens and everybody. And they had to survey the land before the bear could be moved. And uh, oh it was God. it was on the public land by about, you know, um, cleared by about 12 inches. So the guy got to keep the bear. Yeah. yeah after they surveyed, well, was the meat that couldn't have been good after that, could it? Oh, I don't know. I wasn't there when it happened. I was just listening to all the conversation. I had uh, one bear. Um, the dogs were chasing in circles in a swamp, and it wouldn't come out. So uh, I went down and got into the swamp, and uh, I could see where it kept going through. And I got down right where the dogs kept chasing it through this one funnel. And they chased it right by me, and it went by me at about, like, seven or eight paces. I actually got mud sprayed on me. And I, I couldn't see it. I could see a black flash because I was in high grass, you know, and in water. Uh, it was interesting. And we had one, uh, we were on the road and you could hear the dogs coming, but they're in the distance a little bit. And they were talking about what to do. And I'm staring at the bushes and all of a sudden a, a bear come running out of the bushes, looked at me and ran back in. And I'm like, hey, guys, the bear's right here. The bear's right here. And they were like, no, it's, the dogs are way off. I'm like, no, it was right here. <laughs> and then, uh. We ended up treeing that one, and uh, it was kind of small, and uh, I let it go, and they were upset about that because if you don't shoot the bear, then they can't take another client. They want to take as many clients as they can, you know, get a thousand bucks a person and put as many people through as they can. And then I ended up uh, shooting one and um, way back, and it was, I don't know. It was okay, but I just felt like uh, we're all, always, whether you liked it or not, borderline outlaws because – the dog you can't tell the dogs not to trespass and stuff and the properties aren't that big and you just you're always getting into into crap you know so um and it wasn't really my cup of tea i mean it wasn't like you were um i mean if you like dogs you like working dogs and stuff a lot of people do it's a cool hunt it's cool to watch them work it's, but really the dogs are hunting you're just shooting 
And yeah. to me, that that one on one with the um, the bear and the bait, where he knows he's being hunted, he knows it's a trap, and he's sneaking around trying to figure out how to come in. I mean, if you're shooting little bears on bait, it's what people imagine bait and is. But if you're shooting big bears on bait, you got to outsmart them. You got to trick them. You got to sneak around and and uh, hunt them in certain ways. Um, they're going to circle that bait. They're going to come in from downwind. I mean, it's it's a fun hunt. It's a chess game. Um, it's not like they're just going to come running in for a, a lollipop, like people think. Um, to me, um, and I'll probably get some slack for this, but it's a lot more sporting to do that than the, the whole glass and stalk them. To me, that doesn't seem exciting. That seems like, um, and I'm not saying it's bad or anything. I'm not saying bear dog hunting is bad or, you know, you know, don't put words in my mouth. I'm saying for me personally, that whole stalking thing, I'd probably do it just to try it. But that's just spotting a, a bear and sneaking up on it and shooting, and they don't see all that well. And to um, to me, that whole chess game of of they know they're being hunted, you know you're hunting them and hunting for a, a an older bear. I mean, when you're when you shoot a big bear, it ain't like a deer. A big bear is 15, 20 years old sometimes older yeah. than that those those bears in in the in, at least in the united states have grown up on on bear baits and most guys will shoot the first bear that comes in or you know those bears have to learn how to survive and eat those baits like in wisconsin mm -hmm. they start baiting in april bears come out of hibernation and hit baits right away they don't even know what natural food is i mean they're, they're on baits from the beginning on and uh um for them to survive to be 15 or 20 years old that's got to be one smart animal and a lot of those real big bears i've shot you find projectiles in their shoulders one of them had a 12 gauge slug in its shoulder um i've had uh, um uh my real big one had uh um two pellets in its head i don't know if there were 22 bullets or if they were from buckshot but he was shot in the head, um, mm -hmm. but it didn't penetrate his skull. I mean, uh, they, they're usually wounded. Uh, they know how to sneak around and, and uh, you know, play uh, those baits. Yeah, it does, it does sound exciting. I like to watch, uh, there's a YouTube channel called Gritty, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. They they do like a Western spot and it's a spot and stall hunt like you were saying earlier. I've but it's it. really yeah they're pretty good hunt pretty good entertaining hunts to watch um i i'm I more kind of fun to do with bull but you'd have a hell of a time getting close uh, that's what i that would be a a super hard thing to do i think is shoot one spot and saw with with the bow um because a lot of times out there out west they're always just like they're not really uh in places that are suitable for stalking with a bow it seems like they're just out like on an open terrain in the mountains you know it ain't just that, but you also have to deal with thermals and winds. Where with a rifle, you can get away with a, uh, a distant shot, right? You know, so you have right. multiple winds. You got swirling, and you have two wind directions. Yeah, something's going on in the looter. I don't know. Lily, <laughs> my daughter's crazy dog, was outside the door just whining. So I brought her in to see if she'll behave. So yeah, keep going. Sorry, you're no, you're good. We couldn't hear. Her. So uh, anyway. Yeah, if you guys want to watch some cool, I I like that that type of thing more or less because it seems like it'd be a little bit of an adventure to go up in those mountains and just hang out in there for a while. Well, I'd love to but, try once, but 
but like yeah. I, I said, I don't, I don't see that as being something I'd be passionate about. Right. I just, it's just one to do. Yeah. They seem like they get a couple every year doing that. So be a good way to go get a bear if you just wanted a bear probably. But they also seem like they work pretty hard at it. Like it seems like a lot of work. You know, it almost seems like, um, I don't know about those guys, but when I watch those Western hunts, that most of those guys, I don't think they're eating the bears. Really? I don't know if they're packing those whole bears out. Where, um, you know, I kind of like the bears, and you, you know, if I went back there, I'm gonna have to pack those out. And if you got four guys, you shoot four bears. You got to pack four bears out. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's stuff you got to think about before you go in there and do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I, I packed that Ohio buck out in one trip, and it's, it's kind of, it sucks. Like it's not real fun to do. Um, I can't imagine being back, you know, a few miles in a mountain doing it. Um, but those guys are pretty good shape too. Um, I used to be in a lot better shape than I am now, but whenever we were hunting out West more, uh, elk hunting and whatnot, we got in pretty good shape and carry a lot of weight, but still it's like, God, it's, that's a lot of work ahead of you. And then you, well, the the biggest thing is, is like, you got to get them out. Like you got the bear meat doesn't, it's not like it's going to stay good forever. You know, you got to get them out and get them back into ice or something pretty quick. Um, yeah, you don't want to leave them overnight either. Right. There's right. Uh, if you wait till the next morning, the meat's no good. So you'd you have to eat like, it. It's good. Right. Right. If you got a it off the bone. Bears, you know, um, with bears, people will tell you they're real gamey and they don't taste good and stuff. It's all on how you take care of them. Bear is the best meat there is. It's way better than venison. But a bear, you have to clean immediately. If you take it, you field dress it, put it on the back of your truck and drive it around that night, go to the bar, show it off, show it to your buddies and stuff. And then the next day, skin it. It ain't going to taste good. Mm. They are little ovens. And they, they're, they're enclosed in a heavy, heavy coat that's over a layer of fat. They ain't like a deer. Um, we've taken those bears and tried to, um, like, uh, speed cool them, like drop them into uh, um, a freezer, field dress them, drop them into a freezer overnight. Because we bring freezers with us and, mm-hmm. and generators to fire them up with. So we'll have a freezer going and we'll drop a whole bear in your field dress. And you pull out in the morning and it's frozen on the outside. You start skinning it and the inside, inside those shoulders is hot. Yeah. You got to get that cape off. You got to get that hide off and you got to get it in pieces Real, right away. Or and, and then the meat will be really good. It'll be some of the best meat you ever had. We actually, yeah. uh, um, when we go on a bear hunt um, in uh, rural areas like uh, northern Minnesota, when we go way back in the wilderness, we take a trailer that has a uh, chest freezer in the front of it, has a generator on it. And when we start shooting bears, we fire up the, the generator. And then we'll take a tarp down. And the same night we shoot them, we're skinning that bear. We're, we're uh, deboning that bear. We're getting that meat packed up. We're getting it in the freezer right away within hours of, of shooting it. We don't usually sleep very well the first night because somebody will shoot a bear on the first right. day. You know, maybe even more than one. Then you're, yeah. Um, I was going to say something and I... It uh, it left my my mind. Hmm. 
you, you're still distracted that I'm from further south than you. Yeah. <laughs> now, I agree. well, you're thinking of what you were saying, um, Dan. We had real good luck with the with the two bear I shot, and they were they were evening hunts. We got them on. No, the second one was the morning. I take that back. Um, it was my last day. But on the on the first one, that's exactly what the guy who I was hunting with. He said, "You got to get that that bear meat chilled," and so we had. We just put stuffed it full of ice and covered it in a tarp, and it was a real cool night. The next day, I had a rug made out of mine, and we took it right to the guy, and he skinned it, and then I quartered it, threw it in a cooler, and brought it home and cut it up, and it was delicious. I'll never forget, I came home. All the meat was chilled. We handled it. Again, we just chilled it that night and started skinning it the next day, and uh, by the time I got home, put it in a cooler, all all. I, I quartered it, put it in the cooler, and pulled those tenderloins out. I think, let me see, that was 07, so Ellie was three. And uh, we threw them tenderloins in the pan, and we ate it like cavemen. We never even sat down. It was delicious. Yeah, the, some of those bears I've shot are 15, 20 years old. You, you, um, the steak's cut like butter. They taste great. And people be like, oh, you can't eat them when they're that old and that big. They're going to be nasty. They're not. They're, they're good. Yeah. They're nasty if you take them and drive them around and show them off for two days. I, uh, I remember what I was going to say. I had, I had bear, you came down deer hunting this year. I had a bear. I think it was Rick's bear. No, that. well, you might've had that, but I brought some of James's bear. That was the, the young friend of mine. Oh, and Dan said right. that was delicious. Yeah. I remember that. That was in Michigan. Was. So take that back. That was not the first time I had, it. uh, but we had hot dogs and I don't know, wherever you had some other stuff made mm -hmm. out of it, Dan. That was really good. Not that I don't think like summer sausage. Yeah, makes best really good sausage too. Yeah, it, it makes right. a better sausage than venison too because it's a sweeter meat. Yeah, yep. Especially uh, like Hungarian type sausages and stuff. It's really good sausage meat. Yeah, it was good. Uh, my my son ate the crap out of it. He loved it. Um, the only big, the biggest difference about bear than venison is you have to make sure you fully cook bear. Yeah, venison you can rare. Yeah, um, but bear has trigonosis. Yeah, yeah. Carries that. No. Just like you don't pork. want to get that, right? Oh, um, you can just take a deworming pill. You'll be fine. Take some ivermectin. Iver ivermectin. Yeah, I, I can know. eat it raw, but that's me. <laughs> um, speaking of Rick, uh, we put a, uh, I put a video up of Rick's Mississippi, like a short video of Rick's Mississippi hunt on the Hunt Beast. So you guys go over and see that. It's called a. Uh, what do we call that day? And Rick gets Rick hit gets the face in Mississippi, Rick, right? In rural Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Rick gets sucker punched in rural Mississippi. And he did. The yeah, legend he got, punched him. Yeah. He was he smoked. down there with was he down there with light him up? Yeah. yeah. With with Michael. Cody, Cody, I think, had to work or something, but Michael was down there hunting with him. Oh, Michael's he a true gentleman. But... So hard. He had a gash on his face here, and his nose was bleeding, pouring out blood. Now, Michael's a true gentleman, but you try and steal a sandwich from that Cody character, you better watch it. He probably put a whooping on you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Be like, oh, look, there's a rabbit. And he looks at the sandwich. Or a duck. There goes a duck. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. You know, around here, we always tell people to look at the monkey, and if they look at the monkey, they get slapped upside the head. Yeah. Cody's a monkey looker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Sorry, they did. Cody. They uh, they ended up shooting a couple does on uh, mm -hmm. 
and man, Rick had a gigantic pig coming into him. It'd been hard for me not to shoot that thing, but I, I don't think I he. Don't, th- why didn't you shoot? He, he said it's like the neighbor's pig or something. I don't know. Oh, really? I didn't know that. He thought it was somebody's somebody's domestic pig or something. I'm like, it was walking around the woods. It didn't look domestic to me. It looked like a hog. It looked like a just a, a hog yeah, running the south down there. Uh, he said in the he video, he said he didn't shoot it. He didn't know it was legal or not. He didn't know if it was legal or not. But uh, it sounded like Michael's dad was mad at him for not shooting it. He said he was uh, frustrated mm. that Rick did not shoot that pig. It was it was a big one. I mean, it was a big, heavy thing looking thing. But that was pretty cool. It wasn't looking domestic or anything. I didn't think so. It looked it looked like a wild hog to me. Yeah, people don't let their hogs walk around in public land. <laughs> it's not a good and idea. Not expect, and not expect them to get shot anyway. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's funny. Did you, no, didn't did have you a... see the pictures of uh, Rick or see the video, Lou? Not yet. I just saw something on Facebook where he had a bloody eye. Yeah. It was His eye was black and blue, too. Like, the next day, it was... Mm-hmm. It was pretty bad, but now were they down there? there they're down there. Use the one with the gash and the black and blue eye, or to use the one with the gash that's and bloody the blood run does nose. You got yeah, a yeah. Which one did I use? Yeah, <laughs> the later one. No, no black and blue. But were they down yeah. there gun hunting? Gun hunting for deer? Yeah, yeah. I guess they had uh, some restriction, like they had to use um, um, a certain type of rifle, like um. Uh, Straight wall cartridge, yeah. I think you could only use it like a um one bullet gun or something like that. Um, so oh. he, he uh chose a uh to borrow a gun and they they gave him like an elephant gun, it's like a, <laughs> <laughs> this giant gun. And uh, and uh, Rick put his face the scope and boom, <laughs> oh, it knocked him silly, yeah. Uh, you have to watch the video. It's a shorter video. It's like eight minutes long, Lou. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely watch that. I just yeah, I just saw it before we came on. Yeah, yeah, it just went up today. I was looking to yeah. see what the theme was tonight. I, I love your pictures, Josh. Those the three Stooges was perfect. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people like my thumbnails. I didn't see it in my mole. Yeah, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. The three Stooges before my time. Mm. Uh, but it was, it's just us. Uh, you're the middle one that's always in the middle in all the pictures. Tall, the yeah. taller one. Yeah, I was the fat one. Good. No, I was, I was the fat one. I think you were the fat one. I think I, so. I used to watch that stuff too. I just saw Three Stooges and I thought it was funny. I thought that was good. What this will be an interesting question for you guys. What did you guys watch when you were young, growing up? Mm. There wasn't much. You mean like. TV like wise, three channels. I remember there was a lot of, uh, um, uh, God, I can't think of the name of it. That that sheriff with the kid Opie. Who's that? Oh, uh, Andy Griffith. Yeah, yeah, Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith. Leave it to Beaver. And who is the dumb? Uh, yeah, leave it to Beaver. Yeah, who is the, the dumb sheriff? Oh, that's Barney Fife. Barney Fife. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good. They give him one bullet. Yeah, he couldn't keep his gun unless something happened. <laughs> I, mean, I remember I Andy, We watched I Andy Griffith make, a lot. Yeah, you did see Andy Griffith. 
Oh yeah, we watched that a lot. But that that's that that show kind of stayed popular and never really went away. I remember um um when when Saturday Night Live first came out, that was like like uh the most controversial show, and they had it at midnight every night, and uh, um you'd have to sneak up to stay up to watch it, and I could only do it if like the my parents weren't home or something. And all of us kids would be like, "Oh, we're gonna watch Saturday Night Live." Now it's like a stupid show. Yeah, now everything's worse than that. Yeah, now it's just like a, another branch of the liberal party. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. They yeah. like cancel people now. Right. For uh, yeah, it's insane. I just watched somebody that got they hired is a guy named Shane Gillis. He's a comedian. They hired him uh, to do Saturday Night Live, and like the next day, like a big outrage for something the the comedian said in one of his shows or something. And then they fired him the next day for it. And he's like, what the heck? <laughs> like, right. I'm a comedian. Like, I, I wouldn't look too hard through my stuff. You know, I, I, you probably find something you don't like. But I don't think that shows as popular as it used to be. For a long time there, it was like the thing to, I mean, that was a, a really good, entertaining show. But yeah. And I was a, a kid, they, like they had shows like Tarzan and, uh, uh, Thing from the Black Lagoon. I mean, he's really bad, badly put together movies, and we'd all sit around staring at him. Yep. We really like didn't a... much. I mean, I, I got three channels on our TV, and our, when I was a yeah. little kid, it was black and white. I remember when we first got color. Yeah. So yep. Saturday morning was Tarzan, and what was the other one? Uh, the cowboy with the with the Tonto. What was that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Lone I know Ranger. Silver. What was that? Lone Ranger. And then oh, yeah. after school, it was the Brady Bunch. And then in the evenings, gosh, I loved me some Magnum P.I. That was good. I didn't like that. I would, I would put on Tom the Cat. Remember uh, the cartoons? It was Tom Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry. That they was like, one. They were like the Three Stooges. They'd beat the hell out of each other. It was great. Yeah. And yeah. then they had, uh, um, was it uh, Bugs Bunny and the, the Coyote? And Why the Coyote? Coyote? Yeah, he'd always blow himself up or drop a giant rock on himself. Or now we can't do stuff like that. We can't yeah. show stuff like that. Yeah, they've been canceled. The, the Ask Me Company made all his bombs. Yeah. Yep. I watched Dukes of Hazard too when I was young. I remember getting into that for a while. That that was before my time, but it was just all reruns we could watch. Uh, you're, you're younger than us, so you were you were uh, creeping on Daisy back when you were a little thing, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'd have been I'd been young, uh, or it, it was before my time. Just reruns, like it been my mom's generation or your guys' generation when it was popular. I don't know what we watched. We watched a bunch of crap you guys wouldn't even heard heard of. Just stuff on the Rocket Power on Disney Channel and stuff like that, but. I wish I wish it was like that uh, back in the eighties again, seventies and eighties. I wish that's what it was still like. Yeah. Um. I just I worry about like my son. Like, man, you it's unbelievable the stuff that is like available to kids now. Just um, we we let him watch TV from oh, for a little bit every day, and he was what you know we were on YouTube looking through thumbnails. You know, he likes to look at the thumbnails to see what he wants to watch, the show he wants to watch. And there was like a car, like a, he like, he's really into cars and trucks, you know, and there was a thumbnail and it looked like kids were playing with cars and trucks and he wanted that one. So we watched it and we were sitting there watching it and they, they said the S word 
during it. And I'm just like, and, and then I've heard like horror stories of uh, worse things happening on some of these like promotional kid shows. Um, you know, and then you got to worry about what they're, you know, you hear all kinds of things about, ah, we won't get into all that, but we'll get Dan all fired up if I get into this too much. Oh yeah. Brainwash members will leave. <laughs> oh, um, well, just te- teaching them stuff that I don't think they're quite ready to understand or, I, you know, I don't want to have a conversation about certain things with my son until he's a little older, you know. Yeah, they don't need to yeah. be uh, teaching our kids sex edge and, and teaching yeah. them about um, um, that they need to get hormone therapy and everything else. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. Um, and there's, I mean, any, I've, I've, any parent that's got a half a brain should be taking their kids out of public school and putting them in private school. Hmm. Even if you don't believe in religion, you should have them in a church school or something. Did we lose Lou? No, we lost him again. Hey, Lou. He's doing good. <laughs> he's gone, gone. He's not he's not here at all right now. But anyway, we've been on here for an hour now, Dan. We just want to start answering some questions. All right. Maybe if Lou, maybe if maybe Lou gets... Maybe will wander back. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mike, he asked, if you could hunt whitetails anywhere, where would you go? I think I know my um, answer. I'm trying to think of the... I'd like to go to that country where that... that Finland. Is, Finland, yeah. That's yeah. yeah I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Tell tell people about that a little bit. That. We should we should do that together. Um, oh, it'd be see awesome. See if we can arrange that. We should talk to that dude and see if we can arrange that. Do you know when they hunt them over there? I don't. I don't. So like, uh, I guess to so we're planning people... on doing something with him. Aren't you going to do like a show interview with him or something? Yeah, we we'd like. Here? Yeah, we'd like to for sure. We um, should see if there's any way that we could go over there and hunt. I know. Um, Gordon Whittington is a friend of mine. He uh, is the editor of North American Whitetail. I know he yeah. went. I should ask him about uh, how that goes. Oh, dude, that'd be so sweet. So, could give people like an overview. There's like a population of whitetails in Finland, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, guess... What they did is, I believe they got the the deer. Was it from Wisconsin? They got I think it from... was. Yeah, they got deer whitetails, and they reintroduced them there way back in the '60s, I think. And uh, they took off really well. The thing that's kind of crazy is, uh, um, hey, Lou, our mutual friend is uh, um, is a big bow hunter, you know, and he's, uh, you know, kind of a beast hunter. He's uh, watching our videos and stuff. And I've already put up one video of him, uh, I believe, yeah. somewhere up there. But uh, he uh, he was telling me that the laws are way different there. Now, he can bow hunt them. But you just hunt them. You get, you know, like if you can hunt them, you can hunt them. So some guys hunt them with rifles at night with spotlights. Some people like him bow on them, you know, and right. they, both are legal. You can put out a big giant pile of bait. And when they come in, light them up like we do coyotes. They're just and not people are doing that. And he's competing with those kind of hunters. So it's kind of crazy. But he does uh, have some nice whitetails. I've seen some pictures, some trail cam pics and stuff. There are some nice whitetails there. So. It would be try, kind of fun to try and bow hunt one there and kill one there. I think I would yeah. enjoy that. Even if I, even if I, you know, it was an eighty-inch deer, just to go to Finland and shoot a whitetail would be really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. If I, I'd drop whatever I had going on, you know, to go to go somewhere like that and hunt them, I think it'd be awesome. 
I think it'd be cool to go to Finland in, in general, even though I have no desire to go any other country again in my life, but I would, I would go there to go deer hunting or go hunting of some sort. Um, but yeah, Lou, the question was, uh, if you could hunt anywhere, any hunt whitetails anywhere, where would you go? I, I probably just pick Michigan. Michigan. Uh, Lucky. <laughs> Lucky you. Come on. Come on. Come up with something. I love it here. You know what? I would love to go out east. You know, everybody everybody yeah. talks about Nebraska and and even even some of the southern states have been getting some talk, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee. I, I'd love to hunt all the states quite honestly, but I'd like to go out to like Connecticut or Maryland or uh even western Massachusetts or upstate New York or Vermont. Yeah. Uh, all of those, I mean, all of them. That's, that's one of my uh, um Maybe I don't know if I should say it like this, but one of my bad points, if I want to be a successful hunter, is I always want to try new areas I haven't been. Not necessarily good areas, but I want to move around and try different areas where it would be much better to be more like Josh. I want to go to Iowa and Illinois and Kansas. Ohio. Be better for me. Right. But I I do like just jumping around and experiencing things. Um, Yeah. But I'm at that point. I think when I was uh, younger, I was more about I wanted to kill giant whitetails, right? Where, where now I still want to kill giant whitetails, but I, I want to experience things too. So I'm kind of at a different point in my life, I guess. Yeah. See, and I, one of these days I would love to shoot a giant whitetail, but I, I just don't do the scouting and put in the effort. I really just enjoy getting out there and I like walking more than anything. So re- really, I like to gun hunt because you can get out in that forest. It's, it's November, December, and you can just walk all day, just slow walk. And, um, gosh, I, like Ellie just went out East and she was going to go to Vermont. Now she's in New York and I drove out to New York with her and I'm just like, gosh, I'd love to just get in these Hills and just walk all day and see what you see, you know? Yeah. I'd love to go to upstate New York and hunt. It looked, I've been up there a bunch for work and it's, it's real nice up there. When, when you say uh, upstate, what part of that state? Because a lot of people call anything outside of uh, New York city upstate. No, like, like East of, of buffalo like i guess okay. all them yeah so finger lakes area yeah i i just drove through there last thursday friday that's exactly where i'd like to go as well but when i when i think of upstate new york i'm talking up there by like lake placid cranberry lake getting yeah. up uh yeah, east yeah. of watertown and up in those areas and i fished up there a couple times and that's just gorgeous country that's like the up or canada you know it's just yeah. unbelievable yeah um Okay. Zeke Outdoors asks if we, hey Josh, any chance of you going, doing a hunt like Axis deer in Texas? Um, I don't know about Axis deer. I'm a, I got, I have a friend that I went to high school lit, with that lives in Texas now and he invited me to go hunting with him next year in Texas. Uh, he lives around Midland, Texas, which is in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Um, like kind of the Western Southwest, I think portion. Mm-hmm. He, his, his, uh, in-laws own a oil rig rigging company and they have a, a ranch out there. I don't think there's any public land out in that area. I could be wrong, but he, he kind of was wanting me to come fly out there this next year and hunt with him in, in December, which is a good time because there's not much going on in December for the most part around here. But, um, I think Texas I would be cool. Get out there in West Texas. Get out there yeah. near uh, New Mexico. They got some of those blue bulls. What do they call them? Naljay. Big, big bulls. And then they got some of them. Are they oryx? 
What are the other ones that yeah. got New Mexico? Um, is it Oryx? I don't know those big those things with the big big I know straight look. Yeah, yeah, they got some like like semi exotics and they kind of escaped. And yeah. um, some of that stuff's free ranging out there. That would just be so cool to drop a two thousand pound animal. Yeah, um, I've heard that Texas. I don't know if it's true or not, but Texas has more tigers uh, than like any place else in the world. <laughs> tigers, tigers. Not lions, but tigers. No, like tigers. Like, like there's more tigers living in Texas right now than any place else in the world. Like they're they're pets or whatever you want to call them. I don't know if you call a tiger a pet, but like you know, like Mike Tyson. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I just, it's just crazy, like stuff that's at, at Texas in Texas. But, you know, all that exotic stuff, like this guy's talking about, it, it's all fun. I mean, I, I like shooting pigs. I like, I would like to shoot an axis deer. I'd like to shoot an antelope. You know, I, a lot of stuff yeah. I'd like to, like to shoot an elk. But my passion's yeah. in deer. And deer. Right. You no, know, this I'd be uh, keep yeah. going back to, you know. But I would love to go just shoot something. You know. Yeah, something different. Yeah. Uh. No, this is this this is a whitetail hunt. This, these have they have whitetails on their farm. I think they have some mule deer, but not. He said the you're better off trying to find a nice whitetail than a than a mule deer. Um, have you, Dan? Have you you never really been on any other hunt other than whitetail and bear? Have you? Um, oh pig, you went to a pit on a pig hunt. Pigs. Uh, I've never really had a passion for anything else. Yeah. I mean, I uh, I uh, won a huge deer hunting contest one time and i could i could choose an outfitted hunt um because i won first place and first place was uh you could choose an elk hunt um in uh, montana or a whitetail hunt in montana or a pronghorn hunt in montana at this one ranch and uh i chose whitetail <laughs> what, I, what i always do i probably should have took elk or something but uh i mean i always want to I wanted to experience the the whitetails in Montana, you know. Yep. What did you kill one out there? No, I um I passed on one about 125 inch, and uh, um I, I just decided to, I didn't really pass on it, but I could have I could have killed it if I would have crossed a creek, and it seemed like a treacherous creek to cross, and I really didn't want to kill it. And I was watching I was glassing deer in about that size range, um, coming into these green fields along the river. And I never saw a deer that was like um, something I would have really been happy with. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was an interesting hunt, though. I mean, um, I, I had to, I didn't get to see it, but uh, um, I heard this huge commotion in the hotel room, and I came running out of the hotel room. Everybody was screaming and stuff. I I don't know if somebody's getting killed or what was going on. And uh, everybody was going back in by the time I got dressed and ran out. And I was like, what, what happened? What happened? And people were like, oh, two grizzly bears chased a cow down Main Street. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's that. But it was an interesting place. I mean, uh, when I went, there was no speed limits. I don't know if there is now. There probably is. But uh, the only place they had speed limits was, like, in inside the city limits. Yeah. And uh, when you were going on the road, there would be, be signs that said, speed limit, trucks, 65. So if you're in a semi, you had to do 65. But. There's no other speed limit. Right. I can remember going up this this road, and there was, they didn't waste money on signs like they do in in you know Indiana and Scott. <laughs> so there wasn't no like just a turn coming or something. 
<laughs> so I'm flying up the road. You know? There'd be trucks that pass you. I'd be going like 80 miles an hour, and a truck would pass me so fast that it would shake your vehicle. And I'm going on this road, and I go over this little rise, and like, oh, there's a turn here. And you, you hit the brakes real fast, and you just make the turn, and you look out, and every place somebody got killed, they put these little white crosses. Yeah. Turn, there's just crosses everywhere. You're like, holy crap. You think somebody'd buy a turn coming sign? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah, the West is a different place. Elk country right. is, is where it's at. Yeah. I, I, I like that too, Lou. Um, Kylie Pegg says, do you guys ever see bucks use the same bedding all year or is it all about the food? Well, if I'm going to answer that, I'm going to say that uh, probably not all year. Um, matter of fact, usually not all year. Um, usually it's like a two-week period they're in a, in a spot. But um, you can find some spots where they where older bucks will bed there a lot. You know, when they get to be in an older age range, they will start locking down into smaller areas. But I don't know about all year. And it's not really all about food. It's more about um, security. Um, I think security is number one, food's number two. So they'll bed near food. Um, so like late season, I mean, we're going to go locate food and look for bedding near food. Um, but a, uh, a buck will walk five miles from great bedding to get to that food rather than being good bedding 100 yards from that food. Um Betting's going to trump food, secure betting. So, um, betting in the same spot all year, not likely. Um, yeah. But they will rotate through the same areas. Um, and certain betting areas will hold deer for a good period of the year. But for the most part, they'll be in like uh, different sections at different times of the year. And we'll try to uh, figure out when they're using those betting areas what time of the year and then hunt them at those times of the years. Yep. It'd be nice if they just stayed in the same place uh, all year, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I did, you know, um, I have seen older bucks that just lock in one spot, you, you know, yeah. you can hardly get them out of there. Um, but I'd still refrain from all year kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've seen it. I've seen it not all year, but I've seen it where the a good portion they, of the year one spot. Right, right. They're in the same area. All right. This is a question for all three of us. What type of rack do you prefer? A wide, tall, like heavy, gnarly, typical, non-typical? Mm. Tiny and non-typical. It's like women. They're all, all great. <laughs> <laughs> I do. We were going to get through that without that joke. <laughs> uh, um. I don't know, man. I, I think of like a, uh, I'd love to kill a deer with some drop tines. Yeah. A giant non-typical would be cool. There's something yeah. about it when it just got stuff everywhere that, that I oh. like, you, you know, I think, um, um, because of the way Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett score deer makes you want these typicals where I think that uh, naturally you should like a non-typical. I mean, you shouldn't be, deducting score because it's got a drop tine or it's got a sticker that should be an that should be a bonus point you know yeah. um 
to, to me, uh, the more you put on them antlers, the better. Um, I love stickers, drop tines, forks, all that stuff. That, yeah, you know. me too. Now, like, on, go ahead, Lou. I'm just going to say, I don't know if I, if I got mine in, but tiny and non-typical. I remember when Dan was in the shop and I got the first buck I shot in Michigan. It was 1995 and I shot it here in Holly State Rec area. And its rack looks about, let me get some of my fingers out of the way, about like that. But it had just crap everywhere. There was like 11 or some points on that thing. And you could tell one of the one of the uh, beams cantilevered over and something was broken off. But it was just this tiny little messed up rack. And Dan goes, that's a really cool deer. <laughs> it was. It yeah. Was, I think that actually, that, uh, if I remember that rack correctly, I think that's a mature buck. It just had a screwed so. up small rack, probably from injuries or something. But just a, a bizarre cool rack. Um I don't know. You ever see the uh, midget freak buck that I shot? I've seen most of your stuff, but I can't remember that one. Midget freak buck. around here. Yes. Here. But that thing had uh, um, horns, like a big horn sheep that curled around its face. Oh yeah, I saw. I saw that. And that deer, I believe, was mature, but it was only a couple feet tall. But it had this big neck and this little midget head, and the head was deformed. It had a pudge nose. <laughs> I don't know what that thing got into, but it was like a Down syndrome deer or something. And it actually, when it saw me, it ran right at me. And uh, I don't know what it was thinking. And while it was running at me at about six or seven paces, I put an arrow right alongside of its neck and, and killed it. And I thought it was a doe. And I got over yeah. and went around its head. Um, but that's just a bizarre, cool deer. And it's hard to even take a picture of it because it doesn't really show it. You have to actually see them because it's like you got to be able to turn them and look at them to see that curl. And, you know, it's just weird. Was that, I just was thought that it was funny. I got all these tiny little racks in my basement and Dan's picking out probably the smallest one. And you go, that's really cool. You know, hearing that from the big buck serial killer on this little thing. I think I know what you're talking about. I think I saw it in your basement when I was there. You probably yeah, did. I love the freaks. That's, that's me. I just love freaks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if, I think if I had to pick one, it'd be just a big non-typical. That'd be freaking sweet. And I guess, I mean, Pope and Young does score non-typicals. you got to have so many non-typical inches before it gets qualified for non-typical. But, yeah, it sure, is annoying. I, I mean, they do, they do kind of judgmentally kind yeah. of lean towards a typical clean rack. Yeah. I mean, um, you ask me if you take a 170-inch a hundred and, buck and you add a 6-inch drop time, it's 6 inches bigger. It's right. not 6 inches smaller. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For a long time, like probably whenever you were shooting big bucks, Dan, it, I don't think Pope and Young had a non-typical record. I think it was, for a long time, I think it was just typical. Um, no, as far as long as I can remember, they had a non-typical record. Oh, really? I thought they I thought they implemented it later on in the, whatever. Their no, it was always career. like 15 inches bigger it had to be to make mm -hmm. the book. But, uh, it had to have a certain percentage of non-typical. Um yeah, like so many inches before it qualified for a non-typical. Yeah, when I was young, I mean, everybody, I think, when they were first starting out back in the day that um, really wanted to get Pope and Young, wanted to put them in the books. I think a lot of that came from, um, in my generation, Miles Keller. Oh, oh yeah, the there book. it is. There's the book. Yeah, that's cool. Because Miles yeah, Keller that at that time frame had that, uh, that uh, the world's record for the most Pope and Young books. Yeah. Everybody How many is do you remember how many that is, Dan? I think it was like 50 or something. Um, I have no idea anymore. Um, I know I, uh, 
most of his bucks got stolen. Yeah. He went down to a show in Texas and uh, they were in a, um, in a truck um, being transported to the show and somebody stole the truck or the trailer and it was never, ever recovered. Um, yeah, there you go. Lou right. has some big deer down there in his basement. <laughs> Lou, there's a, uh, there's a question for you. What is it? What is what is involved with making different patterns of stealth strips? You have to pay royalties to use patterns like First Light, Sitka, that kind of stuff. Well, that's a great question. Um, True Timber just charges me for the fabric, and that's why I went with True Timber. So there's no royalty built in because they actually make their patterns. So if you go to, oh, some of the other people that do the licensing – you're buying the material from somebody else, so you got to pay the license fee to one of the, you know, like a mossy oak or a real tree. That's the way I understood it. So I originally went to True Timber, and they just charged me, you know, X per yard, and I buy yards. And then, as some people may know, um, now Natural Gear, we just picked up Natural Gear, and I, I, I pay them a, a, a royalty on carrying that one. Um, and then I developed the smoke and the gray, so clearly I don't have to worry about it on that. But it just depends who you buy the fabric from. Yeah. Do you you get a lot of requests for uh, real tree or, or mossy oak? The reason I, I ask I, that is a lot of guys are like sponsored and they can't show any other camel. I will hear that like people in the last couple of years, I, I recall like, boy, it'd be cool if you could do, you know, mossy oak bottomlands or mossy oak this. I didn't hear as much real tree, but, um, you know, it's just hard to add a pattern. Um Yep. You know, when I add a pattern, like right now, I've got... Right, that's a lot of material and stuff to buy. It's a lot of material. And and so I have five patterns in, I don't know, I was looking at the SKUs the other day because something was marked out of stock. And I thought, that's not out of stock. I was looking on Sunday. And uh, we had like 121 SKUs. Now, some of them are from uh, like can koozies and stuff. But I've got a hundred over 100 SKUs and we're out of 20. And when somebody says add... That'd be cool if you could add a pattern. Well, I can't just add a pattern. I got to add a sixth pattern in a hundred different sizes, you know, and not a hundred different sizes. Sorry. So one fifth of that 20 different sizes, it just gets difficult. We're just a small shop. I mean, the, the, the shops back there in the dark, there it is. And I got 120 SKUs back there. So it's hard to add a pattern. It really is. Yeah. You, uh, your your shop like you it's pretty interesting back there like you cut almost all your your stuff right lou here let me get out of the so there's just a half of the stuff we have in strata there's conceal i got some different sizes back there then we got all the buckle silencers all the rolls i got three different rolls and five different patterns and then the smoke stuffed over here here's the master rolls mm-hmm. and yeah we do a lot of cutting so there there was a quick tour of the shop but there's a lot going on in this little shop. Yeah, there you go. Everybody got a little sneak peek of Stealth Outdoors headquarters. <laughs> Sorry, it was just in a in a thumbnail screen that yeah, big. Someday, right. maybe, some, someday maybe we'll do a tour, but you, you can't give away too a, much. With a, say that again, Dan. You, I got you a did. tour. I did yeah. the tour. There's, there's been a lot of people down here, um, you know, p- local people say, Hey, can I stop by? And I rarely say no, you know, some, sometimes, um, I Don't think show my them family... the with the dead bodies. Right. Right. You probably showed that to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
it's hard to add a pattern though. Um, I'd love to do more. I, I'd love to have 20 patterns, but, and someday maybe we will. There you go. You think you think you'll ever be able to buy uh, still strips at uh, Cabela's or Bass Pro or go to Real King and buy some? You know, I don't know about those particular locations, but um, we're working on some things right now. Um, there's There's been some people that reached out to us and we're trying to grow what I call the wholesale program, you know, where others retail it. We're working on some packaging right now. Um, I, I think in the future, you know, it's going to continue to go that direction. There you go. Um, Clint asked, how did Ricky Pooh make down, make it down, uh, to hunt without his car breaking down? It's a good I question. He did. I'm sure he, <laughs> he fixed it seven times on the way. Oh, that's funny. I think Rick's on tonight, so he can defend, defend himself tonight. <laughs> All right. Messy hunting asks, uh, are you guys done hunting for the year? I'm Dan? Not. I'm still going at it. Dan I was hunting yep. staring at snow. I saw a raccoon and a squirrel today. I I keep saying I'm going to go. We're still open in Oakland County, Macomb, and I'm in Oakland County. Um, we go till January 31st. I keep telling myself I'm going to go tomorrow. And I just haven't, but we've had no ice. And um, I got into ice spearing the last couple of years pretty heavy. And I, I used to try and chase bobcats, but I never put really enough time into it. So I'll be out hunting again, but I might do. We're only open till the 31st on deer. I, I should stumble out there because I'm kind of mad at myself for being so lame this year. Maybe this will motivate you. Maybe. Zeke said, uh, I watched. Josh had Walker, Texas Rangers and Power Rangers. I did. I watched a lot of Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles. That was my two things. Batman. I loved all that crap. Oh, let's see here. Um, I thought maybe you were more of the Pokemon kind of guy. Yeah, we watched that too. That was big when I was little. <laughs> they all... Uh, uh, my kids were your age, so... Or, oh, yeah, you would know, Dan. You probably... He was into Pokemon. He had yep. cards and all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we did, too. Uh, I forget I forget about some of those shows. It's kind of fun to reminisce on that kind of stuff because it just brings back, like, memories when you're a kid, when things were better, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. my uh, Something else that we were – my grandpa was into and stuff was wrestling back then. I remember watching wrestling with my grandpa when I was little. I love watching wrestling. wrestling. Come home from church yeah. on Sunday and watch wrestling. Oh my gosh, yeah. Hulk Hogan. Yep. Dude, Andre the Giant, like, Rick Blair. What kind of wrestling did you have? You have All Star Wrestling, or you you had? Star. When I was a kid, it was All Star. Rick, Rick Flair, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, and and the gang. I mean, who, whatever that was, that's what we watched. I hosted with Mister Perfect guy in Alabama. Mr. Perfect, the wrestler, you remember him? I do, Blonde. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking. What was his, uh, what was he like? He was weird. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, actually, Wade Boggs was there hunting with us, and, uh, yeah. he accidentally drank, uh, Wade Boggs' chew. Oh. Uh, he gave us, uh, um, cup, Budweiser cups. Because they were sponsored by Budweiser, and uh, 
Wade was spitting his chew into the to the cup, and uh, um, Mr. Perfect, I can't remember his real name, sorry, but uh, he was either. he was telling some story. He was all drunk, and he was telling some story, and nobody was listening to him. He kept trying to talk louder and louder, and Wade set his cup down, and it was near his beer cup, and he grabbed that cup and he took a swig out of it and started puking all over the place. And everybody started laughing, and it was funny. <laughs> His name is uh, Kurt Henning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. That was a long time ago. Yep. Uh, MD Bowhunter 2008 question for you guys. If you had two weeks of vacation, when would you take it to uh, to bag a buck you're after? And the weeks could be split up. Well, that would depend on where you're hunting. I could answer that quickly. Two weeks of gun season, That's that's my game. <laughs> so november december so for me it depends on where i'm hunting i mean um if i was hunting by my house my home i would probably take um the last week of uh, october and the first week of november or the first two weeks of the season um First two weeks of the season, I can usually get out every day, anyways, because of the long days. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe even like uh, during rut, I could too. So, but I'd get the mornings during the rut. Um, if I was going to Western Wisconsin, I would do the last two weeks of October. It would go up a week. If I was going by down by you, it'd go it'd go down a week. If I was going to Indiana, it'd be the first two weeks of November. Yeah, um, I think it varies no matter where you go, and that's what you got to remember. Yeah. You got to look at uh, regionally, um, and don't don't put any faith in all these stupid um, rut predictions. The rut's the same time every year. It's just a matter of um, weather and uh, moon can make it uh, happen more at night or in the evenings or whatever. But you rut's the same time every year, and if you're rutting, you should be able to get on deer. I think if I. Uh... If I like, if I was like a guy that worked until five thirty every night or whatever and couldn't hunt, I'd probably take like the first four days of the season off, and then I'd probably take the next ten during the first week of November or whenever your rut is. By how I would split it up. I no, really if you're like talking, that. If you're talking travel trips. I mean, um, um, I think Josh, you're in the same boat as me. If you know what you're doing as a hunter, I think you really got a better opportunity at a true giant uh, in early September, picking a place like uh, uh, Nebraska or Kentucky or someplace that opens real early and uh, giving that a week. I think you probably aren't going to see the same amount of deer you'd see during the rut in one of the other places, but I think you'd have more of a chance at getting a real giant, honestly. Yep. Man, you always see a bunch of... in September there, when season first starts in around the country, you see some giant, like, velvet deer get killed, man. Yeah, and you didn't used to. People are just starting to catch on to that, but I've always done really well early yep. season. But, uh, people are starting to catch on to it now. Even if you look at, like, Wisconsin, some of our very biggest bucks have been taken in September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Jimmy Gammons ask. speaking of recoil, what is y'all's favorite Deer hunting cartridges, ex- excluding deer drives, so just solo rifle hunts. I love I'd, probably take, 
30 out six. Me too. That's Se- the only thing I got. Seven millimeter. I was a seven mag guy for a while because when I was younger, I, I liked to go out west. So I picked up a seven mag. And then around 2012, I almost started exclusively hunting with a little 16 inch barreled seven millimeter 08, just a sweet handling gun. It's got good knockdown. Hmm. I'd have told you like a, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I told you a 12 gauge slug gun. That's all I'd use until we started uh, being able to have rifles in Indiana. Um, rifles are a game changer. Oh, yeah. We used, to be just, we used to be just shotgun here. And, uh, man, I can't tell you how many big bucks I had just out of range where you can't shoot them. I, I think that 12-gauge slug is a, is a formidable weapon anywhere. I took it out in 2000. Me and my cousin Louie went out to Wyoming. And he took a 280, and I took my 7 mag, and I took my 12-gauge with that little uh, rifled slug barrel and the 50-cal mm-hmm. sabots. And he goes, what are you going to do with that? I said, That's, don't, don't discount that. I hit a deer with that thing at, at, with open sights 130 yards and just knocked it down. And I shot both bear with the 12-gauge with, uh, with slugs, with the sabots. And, man, what a destroyer. My, uh, my beer, not my last beer, but the one before that um... – uh, it was a 15-year-old bear, and when uh, we cleaned it, we found a 12-gauge slug in the shoulder. Somebody shot it in the shoulder, and it didn't penetrate. It didn't get through to the um, vitals. Hmm. Yeah. Were you going to say something, Lou? I just wonder, you know, if that was just a big old chunk of, of lead, you know, that hit wrong and just expanded wrong. But, I mean, essentially now that 12-gauge, you, you put those 50 cal sabots in there, they're bullets, you know? Like everybody, yeah, in I think they have quite the impact. And if you hit vitals, they're great. And, and I think on a deer, it's going to go through no matter where you hit it. But that bear, I mean, it had a shoulder on it, you know, like, like you wouldn't believe. And I think a rifle probably would have went through, honestly. Uh, and you but could be right there. It's a different animal, though. We're talking about deer. So, I mean, the thing with the shotgun is the range. But, yeah. Um, 30 out of six is with such a shockwave through them. If you use a, um, even your, your seven millimeter, if you use a, a, a heavy bullet with a good expansion, you know, good lead tip on it. Um, them things just have some, a shockwave goes through them. I mean, you shoot them in the same place. You shoot them with a bow and a, with a bow, they run, you know, a hundred yards and fall over with a 30 out six. They take a couple steps and they fall over or they just drop, you know, they, um, uh, and when you clean them, you just find a whole, they're just bloodshot from the shock wave going through them, which you kind of need that with a gun because if you don't knock them down, they run off and somebody else claims it. And, you know, so you kind of want to knock them over. Yeah. But I, have, I haven't killed a lot of deer with 30 out six, but I've killed a handful of them. Man, it's just devastating when you shoot one with it. Um, it's crazy I got that how. Bump Remington 760. I love that gun. It's pretty beat up though. It's got uh, a film of rust on it. It's got some pits in it, and it's got some nicks in it, and uh, the stock's a little loose and stuff. But I love it. Yeah, I should really get that thing reworked. It's pretty bad condition. Yeah, you could probably take it to the gunsmith and have them get it back to perfect again. Yeah. Uh, my my grandpa, my my I think my uncles bought my grandpa a little twenty gauge eleven hundred or Remington eleven hundred uh, for his birthday or christmas or something and it was like a real light model like a youth model almost and my grandpa hated it i mean he just hated that thing 
Um, he couldn't hit anything with it. He said, and he he just shot a. Uh, he had another twenty gauge eleven hundred that he shot. It was just a smooth bore, um, you know, field barrel. He used just like a modified choke, uh, just typical old gun, you know. And it was real heavy. And my dad and my uncles bought that for him, I think, or my dad or someone, thinking he'd an upgrade for him, you know. And he hated that thing. And anyways, I think I don't know how exactly it worked. I was little, but they ended up giving me that gun, that little, that little twenty gauge eleven hundred man. We had just a screw-in rifled uh, choke tube. It wasn't even a full uh, uh, rifled barrel, but that screw-in choke tube. Man, I killed a bunch of deer with that thing growing up. That mm. was, I, I I keep threatening to like get that gun back out and like turkey hunting with it and stuff, but I just haven't. It only shoots two and three quarter inch shells. Um, you know, um, uh, the thing with guns is they gotta fit you good. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of people will. You know, you you know you have to have a bull fit you right. right. A lot of people don't understand that with guns. I mean, if you have if the stock's a little short on you or a little long on you or whatever, um, it needs to be balanced. So a good gun, when you pick it up, and and you're looking at a target, when you look into that scope, that scope's already on target, and you're just locked in. If that sh- if the stock's a little short or a little long, you start shaking, you start moving around, your your, your crosshairs will wander. Um, yeah. Uh, it's important to have a gun fit you well. So, I mean, just going to the store and buying a gun because uh, uh, Dan said he likes 30 odd sixes is probably not a good idea. I think you got to find one that fits you. Yep. That's the same with my, uh, my 12 gauge I have now. I, I have a, like a Benelli Nova pump gun mm-hmm. and like, I've tried like people, you know, I've, I've tried other people's guns and stuff and I've had that Benelli since I was like 16 mm-hmm. and like, love that thing like just love it it's just wherever i'm looking through it at it's what it hits and uh i've tried other things and i just i'm like i shoot this one better and it's just a you know just a pump 12 gauge um so it's almost sentimental you can get with a good good gunsmith and i think they can make a gun fit you too they can alter box or you know they can do things yeah yeah all right let's go one more here Modern Michigan bow hunter, he says, Josh, what's your biggest takeaway lesson from this past season? Is there something, is there a specific tip or lesson learned that has helped you have such a great year? I mean, I haven't like, I need to like sit down and think about my year a little bit to like answer that thoroughly. And maybe me and Dan will do a show just about that or about like our recapping our season. So, Mm -hmm. um, you definitely need to, I need to forget my season. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, you had a hell of a season, Josh. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I'm gonna get I, these I lights out of the eyes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, biggest thing I guess is like I just, um, I just hunted more. Obviously, like I just got to go more places, so I had more success, and there was some luck involved in it. But like, uh, I don't know. Stay tuned. Maybe well, let me think about it to give like a better answer because it was a really cool season, and I'd like to dissect it. For everybody think, a little more you know one of the things for me is when, when you have a successful season like that and uh i thought about this when when you got that deer when we were um, um in western wisconsin yeah is you you know when you um when you try things and, and you you not really uh i don't know if you you fully believe it but you think that that's got to work but you look yeah. at it and you're like what are the odds what are the odds that you're going out there and then when it works I think that that really builds you in the future that you realize that that's, yeah, you, you know, it pays off. Like, like right now, um, 
I had a huge buck that I've been hunting that disappeared, come back and show up. And now that deer literally showed up in the middle of the night once on a camera where he was early season. And he could be anywhere for two miles around where I have that camera. But um, I'm focusing on an area where I think, well, there's food, there's cover. I think this is where he would be. And it would be real easy to let the doubt slip in. It'd be real easy, you know, to not go through the effort of walking a mile and a half back to this area and hunting. Because what are the odds that deer is going to be there? But what makes me do that and what gets me to go out in this cold and nasty crap and walk all the way out there and uh, sit there till dark and then walk an hour and a half back out in the pitch blackness and, and get and cattails and crap freezing to death is because I've done that in the past and it's worked. Yeah. And uh, that gives me the confidence to believe that I probably, you know, I'm pretty accurate on my guesses. You know, even if I'm not seeing something, I know that I, I've got that in my back pocket that in the past it's worked for me. And I think that's mm -hmm. where a great season like this on road trips for you, from my perspective, I think is going to grow you as a hunter is because it's built you in confidence. I mean, um, mm -hmm. I just think about that deer that uh, ran across the road in front of us. Yeah. And uh, um, I was thinking it came from the other side, but I really didn't have the perspective of daylight when we looked when we saw it mm -hmm. and uh you were like i'm gonna go after that thing tomorrow you know you're, you're kind of looking at me like are you and i'm thinking man what are the odds you're gonna jump in there and he's gonna be down in that bottom or whatever yeah you, you looked at a map you said well if he comes through here he's got to go through right here i just gotta yeah. find a tree there and uh i really um doubted that setup you know yeah and, uh, you went in there and, and and killed that same exact buck we saw and i thought that was just a great hunt and uh a, a good lesson yeah i think like any of the deer i killed this year was like uh i mean minus any of the out-of-state deer i killed this year it was like the same exact story like my nebraska one was um you know i bumped into him and like i was so sure that i was going to kill him that that evening um and then I did, you know, uh, and then in, in Ohio, the same thing. Like I had a point on, I had an on X point on my map that I pre-scouted this area that looked good. You know, I'm like, I know there's deer there. And I, I didn't hunt there initially because I, I worked my way. It was the farthest point away. And, uh, I mean, when I walked up to the freaking point, there was two bucks standing there, you know? So it's just, uh, yeah, it's just building confidence. And like, I'm not always like any of that stuff. I wasn't like, um, you know, overly confident you know and but it's like this year really like you know i've i've killed two two bucks in a year a whole bunch of times but never four and so yeah it's it made me a lot more of a, a more confident deer hunter i mean uh for sure but yeah I'll, I'll we'll probably do a show about it sometime after everything's settled down here and i can think about it a little bit and um put something good together for everybody but uh okay one more here racer dave asks how was how has the warm weather of most of January affected Dan's late season hunting? That sucks. No, I, I love the hunting in the warm weather. I hate hunting in yeah. cold weather. But um, the main thing is not having snow. Now, cold really makes them move well. But at least with the snow, I'd know where they're at. 
like right now I'm kind of guessing, you, you know, I know a buck exists now, where is he? And I'm taking, and I'm going to try this, try that spot, try this spot, try that spot, try this spot. Okay. With this wind today, I got to try that spot where if I had snow, I could just take a walk around it and find the tracks and kind of backtrack them. And I lay, okay, now I could find two of these, one of these three spots it has to be instead of that hundred spots, you know, so, um, missing the snow for sure. Um, but the cold would help too. Um, but mainly the snow. When's yeah. your season done, Dan? The 31st. Okay. So you're, you're, you're getting close to the end too. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's what I was a little, and I wasn't bummed. I mean, it was, it was fine, but like in Illinois, I was pretty bummed that the weather, it was just, I mean, it's 60 degrees one day. It's like, God dang, man. You know, I kind of had in my mind when I went to Illinois being sitting in a tree freezing, you know, and all the deer doing exactly what they're supposed to do late season. But, um, it is what it is. Some years it's like that, you know, yeah, you know, I, I have no problem with, with, with weather I can get on deer and stuff, but this time of the year, they're so bunched up and stuff in areas. It is, it is hard without snow, Yeah, but I don't mind. I, I can, you know, I like hot weather. I like cold weather. I like windy. I like rain. Yeah. It, it, it all has its benefits and its downfalls. And I think a good hunter finds the benefits out of the bad, you know, mm -hmm. you find good things out of the bad. A bad hunter goes on a trip and says, it's 80 it's degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This, this sucks. Right. You know, a, a good hunter says, well, what are the deer doing when it's 80? Where are they? How do I hunt them? You know, yeah. are they by water? Are they down low? Are they, you know, what are they doing different because of this weather system? You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Before we leave, I got two things here. Dan, uh, workshop wise, <laughs> workshop wise, where are you at? How many more guys you can fill up? What days are? Uh, I think we got uh, some openings on one of the Saturdays, and um, one of the Sundays is almost full. Um, I could look quick. Yeah, I'm gonna be know. there. Give me a message. Um, but I, uh, uh, did you pick anybody to go to I'm win? Gonna, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna give people a little more time. I'll do it later in the week. Cause we just announced, we just announced it late last week. So it's only been a few days. Um, the, uh, I'll be there the 18th and 19th. Some people were asking in the comments, what days I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there both the 18th and 19th of, for the workshops. Um, so yeah, I guess there's some still available. All right. Now, uh, Lou. You coming to any of the workshops, Lou? I don't know. Are they February? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First weekend. Say that again. First weekend and third weekend. Um, Josh is only coming for one of the weekends. If you want to come the weekend that he's coming. And you're the 18th, 19th, Josh. Yeah. I'll consider that. I mean, I'm going to be over there in March, but I, I'll, I'd love to. I, those are a blast. I'd love to come over there. Yeah, they're fun. The good time. I've been over two or three times. Where are you eating at this this uh, year, Dan? Same place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the the building ain't done right right oh i didn't know if you just had a different restaurant or something we were eating at or different no we're doing the same building. place okay um, cool and then lou before we get off here too why don't you pitch your uh um, stealth outdoors and tell everybody where they can find you my gosh i don't know if anybody can top how you pitch it did did you do a commercial on this one <laughs> no uh, uh oh uh, so you had me on to do the commercial I, yeah i 
I'm too humble to, to pitch myself. That's why I like when guys like you do it. But stealthoutdoors.com, we make stealth strips. Um, I think a lot of Dan's audience has heard of us. Um, yep. We just try to bend over backwards to um, fulfill orders when they come in, you know, ship fast. And and uh, if anybody isn't familiar with them, just stay tuned to all the Before the Echo podcast. And Josh usually does a great commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so a belt um, strip is what it's it's a, a, a silencing uh, material that you put on metal products that dampens the noise so it's it's actually got a thickness to it so it's not like a tape or you know or, or some of the copycat products it's actually got a thickness to it and it's got a, a stickiness on it that's incredible so i've got uh some of my one of my stands that's been on it for an old lone wolf stand before I had my own stands. It's been on that stand for, I don't know, it's going to be like six years. It's still on it. I mean, it's a little frayed and, and it's, uh, it's getting a little bit sun bleached, but it's still on it. It, it doesn't rub off or come off when my feet are going across it. This stuff's pretty tough. It and is. Get it with a buckle or something that doesn't really make a clank. And if you have both items, like the buckles covered and the stand covered, you won't hear a thing. You know, uh, it's a pretty incredible uh, product. Thank you, Dan. You know, I, I, I think when it comes to the thickness, you were talking about its thickness. It's not like a foam tape. I think it's more dense than thick. I actually think it's it's fairly thin, so it doesn't, like, impair the movement of the steps, you know, when they rotate. I mean, sometimes the tolerance is tight, and they'll rub it a little bit. And they are durable, like you said. But um, if, if you wrap one piece of metal and you have two pieces hitting, you're not going to get the same effect when you wrap both both pieces of metal. You know, like you said, cover the buckle and cover the stick or stand. Um, you, you really get a dramatic reduction. I mean, we we get we get comments all the time. I mean, when we first started doing this, we did it because you wanted cable silencers. I had no idea it was going to turn into this, but we keep doing it because just uh, not every day. I mean, but every week we get multiple people reach out to us, and I just thought it was a boring product, you know, but. But man, people really have uh, given us a lot of great feedback, and, and we appreciate it. It never gets old hearing. Thanks for coming on, Lou. Thanks for having it was me. It's fun. It's fun. Um, yeah, everybody. Good night, and we will we'll see you on the next one. See you, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye.